to A Cup of Gratitude with Amanda Schaefer. Hi, I'm your host, and I'm so glad you stopped by. This podcast is really for anyone, anywhere, anytime, and it's about taking a moment to slow down and look around and actually see all of the good things that are there. There's an old question that asks, is your cup half empty or half full? But I think a better question is, what's in your cup? I mean, a drop of gratitude will benefit your life unimaginably more than a full cup of anything else. So let's settle in and take a look at how we can shift our focus and embrace the joy and the wonder of the life that we have. And once you start, you won't be able to stop seeing the good. And just like me, you won't be able to stop talking about it. And somehow that creates even more. Even in the midst of difficulty, even when it's really hard. Learn how to drink from a cup of gratitude. Welcome. Today, I'm speaking with Nicole Williams. She is an author, poet, and course creator who helps people transform their lives by letting go of bitterness, anger, and paralyzing unforgiveness. Her passion is leading people towards spiritual transformation by helping them see the image of God's love in all people. Nicole is the author of Rise Up, Believing God When the World is Falling Apart. It's 31 devotional prayers that model intentional praise when life is hard. She lives in Houston with her husband of 29 years and is a mom to two young adults. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Amanda. I'm so excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. Me too. We've actually, you know, um, life gets busy and things happen. This is our third time's a charm. Um, I'm a little sick today, but we're we're gonna we're gonna make it through because I so much want to share Nicole's story with you. Um, and we had things come up the other two times we tried. So here we are, and we're tenacious. Uh, we want to share the story that God has for her to share. And um, I wanted to just say that Nicole is another one of the amazing people that I have met through the book I've been talking so much about, Life-Changing Stories. We're both co-authors in that, um, the one that Mary Armand put together. And I'm so glad that we got connected, Nicole. Oh, me too. Me too. I just really feel blessed that um, our paths crossed in that um, project. And yeah. um, I'm you know, excited about the work that you're doing here. So I was really, um, it was awesome to run across you and see I gratitude is a, um, a big touch point for me in my life personally. So I um, loved that that was such a big focus for you. So I was excited mm-hmm. um, uh, to meet with you here. Yeah, and you know, during our pre-recording call, I really felt like uh, we just got to such a rich, deep level pretty quickly, and so I feel very connected to you. I, I did already, but then uh, being part of this book project really has just been such a blessing. Everything about it was ministry. All the profits are going to Compassion International. Um, you know, it's just a, all around just has been the biggest blessing. And so um, I'm excited. We'll include in the show notes uh, ways to get the book as well as all the wonderful things that Nicole is doing. But as you know, I like to do things a little differently here. And I like to start at the beginning. Um, I think any good writer likes the backstory. I think it's so important. But what I've found is that when we start at the beginning, and we'll get to all the good stuff Nicole is doing now, we get to see the beautiful thread of God working through the lives of his children. And sometimes we're so busy living, you know, we miss some of the things that God was doing along the way. Absolutely. I can relate to that very well. <laughs> So that's what I love about this process is I feel like God's given me this opportunity when I said, hey, you know, I'm taking care of my parents. I'm kind of cut off, but I still want to share the gospel. He's given me this opportunity that every part of how he set up for me to do this podcast is really ministry. And so um, I'm blessed, you know, every day, all day long doing all these different episodes in various stages and this is no different. So with all of that in mind, um, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your childhood? Sure, absolutely. Um, Well, uh, I grew up in California and I was in the Santa Cruz area and um, in the 60s. And I was, I'm the middle of three girls. Uh, We grew up um, in the 
when the running generation just began kind of kicked off in mm-hmm. California, which is kind of weird to think about. But mm-hmm. um, we were part of that. My my dad was an avid runner and he started us running real young. Uh, my parents were really free spirited. They had both grown up in the Illinois area. And mm-hmm. so they, I think they were kind of considered uh, the black sheep of the family of their family. And uh, so I was not raised in a Christian home at all. Uh, my parents valued culture, and um, we ended up um, living in the San Francisco Bay Area um, for uh, my early childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my parents would take us to um, churches in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, more really as like a cultural outing, you know, for mm-hmm. an educational purpose to see how other people did life and stuff like that. Wow. Um, you know, but it, and, and my mom was raised in a Christian home, but um, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a part of my dad's childhood. And, um, you know, we experienced um, just a lot of moving around, you know, when we were children and um, just some struggles in that for sure. So, and just in the, in the Bay Area, we, I felt like we had a real adventurous childhood. We ran all the time and would be in the city and, um, got to see lots of different things and learn how to sail when we were young. And, you know, all of those, it's like all of those accomplishments were important. Yeah. To yeah. My dad, really. You yeah. know, And um, so we kind of just fell in line with those expectations, I guess. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you had told me during our pre-recording call, you actually moved 20 times. That's a lot of times. Like, well, yeah, definitely. What was definitely. that like? Yeah, like in the first 17 years of my life, um, I lived in 13 different homes in nine different cities. And I went to um, three different high schools. My sister, Lisa, who was 14 months older than me, um, went to four different high schools. And, you know, so we didn't really know any different, but we, we were, I was always the new kid. And that definitely impact as I'm you know, later in life now, I definitely realized the ways that that impacted me growing up and how Mm -hmm. those kind of uh, like small T traumas continue to affect me or can have the propensity to continue to affect me in my life. You know, Um, I'd say that uh, I always made things about other people so that I could be as likable as possible Mm -hmm. um, so that I could get along with people as quickly as possible since, you know, it wasn't like these were old, old friends to me, you know, it's like you might be there for a year and you wanted to be able to know some people. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it definitely was impactful on our lives. Yeah. And you know, people pleasing um, becomes part of the fabric of who you are for lots of different reasons, but it's one of, one of the things that's most difficult to let go of because um yeah I, I know so many people I've talked to as well as myself I'm I'm uh, a reformed people pleaser it's just <laughs> become such a part of you and you can look at it in a way that well I'm being nice I'm being kind but no you're you're not setting boundaries and you're not you're not doing necessarily all the things that you desire to do and so you kind of lose part of yourself when you're a people pleaser Absolutely. I can fully identify with that. And really, you know, it wasn't until my late 40s that I really started to recognize that in myself (laughs) or even Mm -hmm. just really have an awareness of what that actually was because I so much wanted to please people all the time and, you know, kind of under the veil of thinking that you're considering other people's needs ahead of your own, which I mean, is biblical, you know, mm-hmm. but, yep. it, but it is, so it can, it's easy to kind of go down that road as a people pleaser, but to have it be improperly weighted per se, mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, even I could find myself doing that even in church. I know years ago, um, I would just be helping in some capacity serving. And if mm-hmm. people would tell you that you are doing a good job, I could just see how that's like a stumbling block for me, you know, to be doing it as if to receive praise from them. And that definitely, you know, reminds me of just growing up. I feel like I sought that a lot because Mm -hmm. um, 
I felt like I was approved if I did things right. And, yeah. It's you know, like that, a, it, it's, it's an extension of, of receiving conditional love. And yeah. it's tricky because it ends up kind of becoming part of our identity. Right. Right. And it, it really does, you know, and now um, having a, more of an awareness of it, I feel like um, I have way more freedom um, mm-hmm. in Christ now, really being aware of how mm-hmm. great his love is for me, period. Yes. Regardless yes. of um, whether I meet all the things that I have set forth for myself or I make every single person in my life happy, you know, it's mm-hmm. like really, which is impossible. It's right. that's literally right. impossible. you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think, you know, as I said, you know, I went through that as well. And now like my first and foremost, I'm a God pleaser. Like I want God yeah. to be pleased with what I'm doing and I want me to be pleased with what I'm doing. And if the two of us are pleased and it's biblical, then if other people are happy with it, great. But, you know, I think especially as you end up uh, following the ministry that God has given you, you have to be in that place where you have your full identity as his child, because if there's any people pleaser left, it's really going to affect your ability to stay steadfast with what he asks you to do. And people are not kind on the internet, social media, different things that you have to use to be an author or a speaker or any of those things. Right. Right. That can get difficult. Sometimes I know when I have had situations like that online, um, Mm -hmm. first it's like, it is so, I just, I can't wrap my mind around it because I would never stop by someone's page and be um, rude like that. Um, but sometimes people are, and yeah. sometimes I'll just respond, um, you know, thanks for, you know, um, grace and peace to you. Thanks for dropping by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just no, I, be, you know, <laughs> I hear you. And there's so many people out there, depending on the platform you're on, one of the platforms yeah. I'm on that, Um, I never thought it would be on, but there are people seeking truth and Christianity uh, and understanding about God. There is TikTok. And that is a place where there are a lot of agenda driven people who they're not following you. They're just looking for any Christian to kind of gun down. And um, in 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 those cases, yes, uh, I don't even say anything to them. I pray for them. I block them and I move on. (laughs) You know, Um, yeah, (laughs) but. Yeah, you make an effort to try and just be gracious and and move forward. Um, But I think that, you know, every now and then it's really hard because you want people to like you, right? You know? Yeah, there's always that tendency to lean into that. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting our comfort and our support and wholeness from God, and just like you said earlier, no one can, you know, basically you were just saying that like, you know, we let each other down sometimes. It's like you, you know, no other people are going to make us whole and complete us because uh, God won't allow that. He's jealous for us, you know, so he's the one, he wants us to turn to him for completion and wholeness and all the comfort and the things that we need that other people let us down on, you know, because people are just people, you know, Jesus didn't put his help hope in people either because he knew what was in them. Right. And Mm -hmm. we're the, you know, we have to be the same way. It's like, we just need to know that um, God sees and knows and God knows what our heart is and he loves us. And that's Mm -hmm. our wholeness. Yeah, I mean, people aren't able, we're fallen, and even before we fell, we were created to worship God, right? So there is an exact God-sized vacuum in our hearts after the fallenness that needs to be restored. And Jesus told us in the Bible, he's like, the world hated me, they're going to hate you too. And so it's very interesting in some of the examples where where he talks about that, it's going to be in your own family, it's going to be in your own neighborhood, it's going to, you know, um, and so I think that helps me and gives me peace sometimes, like, okay, that person cannot comprehend what I'm talking about, because they cannot connect to Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for them and I'm not going to take it personally. And I'm just going to stay connected to Jesus. I'm just going to abide in him and, in you know, keep my focus there and allow him to bear the fruit. And I'm just going to let God take care of all that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. 
So um, I think that it must have been helpful having your sister with you during all those moves. That's a lot of moves. I mean, I really that's a lot of times of having to be the new girl. Oh, yeah, it it really it was just a constant thing, you know, and um, yeah, absolutely. My older sister, Lisa, was is 14 months older than I am. And mm-hmm. uh, we were, you know, I consider her one of my very best friends, you know, and uh, nobody awesome. can nobody can make me laugh like Lisa. We mm-hmm. have, you know, just we have so many similar experience. You know, we had, you know, we we experienced the same things growing up, but we, of course, filter it differently, you know, just because yeah. we're individual humans. But mm-hmm. um, we have the same bonds the whole time. And so yeah. that I would not trade that for anything. I also have a younger sister that's five years younger than um, I, than I am. And she did not experience the same type of moving because by the time we moved to Texas, then she got to do junior high and high school all in mm-hmm. one location. So a little different growing up experience for her because I think she, just because of she was younger, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, you went to college. You ended up uh, working in a coffee shop. You were telling me about that during our pre-recording call. What was college time like for you? Um, it was, you know. My sister and I, I mean, it was, I wasn't a believer when I started school and, Mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, frankly, we went out and we'd go out to the bars and we had a great time, you know, I mean, it was just like we, we went out together and enjoyed being, you know, when we got to uh, Texas, the drinking age was younger than it was in California. And Uh so uh, it was a whole different deal. Uh, We worked at the uh, coffee shop. Um, at Jim's coffee shop in San Antonio and we mm-hmm. had one vehicle between us to share. So we, uh, any job we had, we always convinced the people to hire both of us together. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. And so we worked there and we worked the, we were in both in college uh, full time. And so we um, uh, worked the bar rush. So we would be there at, for the two, 2 a.m. rush and uh, we saw, you can't even imagine the things we saw. One of my favorite thing that we saw, the crazy thing we saw at the 2 a.m. bar rush one night was um, a packed house. And this guy stood up in the booth and proceeded to propose to his blow up doll that he had brought in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh. So anyway, it was a, a group, a young group of us that worked that shift. Uh-huh. that, you know, we got to know each other and it was very, we had a lot of fun together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do know. I mean, I accepted Christ 22 years ago and I'm 59. So do the math. I had a lot of years um, without him. And although I had a lot of fun, I also didn't have a lot of fun. Like I, uh-huh. I so needed him. Um, but yeah, I always kid around oh, yeah. with people. I'm like, oh, if we would have known each other when I was in college, we would have had a lot of fun together. <laughs> it's sometimes better, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, you had told me that uh, a girl that you guys worked with invited you and your sister to church. Did you go? What was your experience if you did? Yes. um, And I wish I could remember her last name. Her name was Cheryl, though. She was a waitress Mm -hmm. with us in that same shift. And um, we went with her to church. And it was this little church in San Antonio with like a little low roof and all red carpeting and red booths and Mm -hmm. um, red pews. And um, they gave an altar call at the end of the message. And I really felt compelled to go forward, you know? Wow. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, I believed and accepted Christ into my life then. And it was real, you know, it wasn't like a, something that you were just doing. Um, and I went home and, you know, my sister couldn't believe it, you know, Mm -hmm. and my parents were, you know, you know, basically like, well, you'll try lots of things when you, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's like very, again, just kind of like, as if it was like a cultural experience, Mm -hmm. um, and be open to trying lots of experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was transformative for me, you know, changed the trajectory of my life for sure. 
Yeah, I'd like to put a pin right there and remind everyone listening how important it is when you do have that beautiful relationship with Jesus to invite people because you never know. God knows if their heart is ready and you never know, um, you know, that that was, you know, you went to churches kind of as like a place to visit and, and see the culture growing up. And then one person invited you to their actual church and you heard you were ready and you heard the gospel call and and you felt your answer and suddenly everything was changed. So it's so important for us to remember, you know, we're not inviting people to our church to invite them to our church. We're inviting them to come close to hearing the truth and to hopefully experience um, the love of Jesus. And so I think that's beautiful. Um, you know, when, when I was first saved, I grew up going to church, but I, it didn't, there was no real relationship ever shown. And when I was first saved, um, there was someone in my family who's not saved now who, who said, well, yeah, you know, whatever crutch makes you feel good. And, and I, you know, 22 years later, and now I'm like, Everything about my life is about Jesus and all over, you know, the place with podcasts and writing and um, right. speaking events. And and I kind of look at them and I'm like, yeah, that crutch lasted a really long time. Huh? <laughs> 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 but I think God uses that. Right. You know, uh-huh. because yeah. they, they can't fathom. They, they can't understand. It doesn't make sense it, to them. To them, it's it's folly. Right. 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 I know. Um Absolutely. I know, you know, like kind of being like the only one in the beginning in my family. Mm-hmm. And now everyone is a believer, you know, so praise um, God. Yeah. You know, it's like, and you know, when my older sister went through a divorce and she came to know the Lord through that, you know, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, getting to do Bible study with her over the phone when she was living in Washington state and I was in Texas. I mean, just Really, really rich opportunities that wow. a lot of fruitful time that has come after that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, you had told me during your last year of college, and I, before we get into this, I just want to say how beautiful the timing is that you already had a relationship with Jesus. But during your last year of college, you had a great loss. Would you tell us about it? Yeah, my dad had been home um, to, he was working in California. They were about to move back to California. And I was at school at UT Austin at this point. And um, he had visited for um, Easter. And then he was traveling back to California to go back to work. And my mom was still living in San Antonio. She had not made the move back to California yet. And um, my, my dad died in a car accident on his way back to work when he was in California. And, you know, I remember my mom contacting me about it and just, you know, not being able to, like, really make sense of the truth of what she was saying as you're Mm -hmm. in shock about what, uh, you know, what it would be like. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it definitely had an impact on, you know, my life for the, from that point forward, he had been a very, very, even though, you know, and I, you know, frankly, I don't know. I, I talked to him about the Lord. I don't know if he was mm-hmm. a, believer, a believer or not. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that he was, you know, he was uh, going to church with the people that he was working in, that he was in business with um, mm-hmm. and um, in California. So, um, you know, God knows, and I, I can only hope yeah. that he was, um, but um, just trans going through my life after that, um, when he was like, even though I was a believer, he was really like the leader for me at that age. I was so young, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I do. I'm so sorry for your loss. And that is that's such a traumatic shift when you lose a, a pivotal part of your family. Yes. Um, what did life without him feel like? Um, well, I, you know, I, I realized that it was like kind of like this ground shifted. Uh, there was no, um, I was a new believer. I'd been a believer for a few years by that time, uh, mm-hmm. but it felt very rocky. Like I didn't really yeah. know um, how to position myself, the things that I had planned on doing, you know, I should I do that? How should I move forward? There were a lot of 
kind of unknowns um, about what yeah. should be next. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, I know I, you, you went on to go to law school. Um, and I think it's funny because, you know, God always knows what we're really designed to do. And you told me that you thought that God was trying to move you from that, even though you were going like, so did you stay? What did you do? Yeah, it is funny, right? Just, you know, yeah. just thinking about like the, um, the people in our lives that, that impact us and have an influence over us. And mm-hmm. then, um, just you're growing up. So you're developing and maturing on your own also. Um, but you know, I, I realized knowing that, uh, his approval was so important to me, mm-hmm. um, and that I was raised really like very performance oriented. Mm-hmm. I had never, you know, I had never quit anything. And so mm-hmm. I, that was always the plan that I would go to school, that I would, you know, we, that was like our plan together, you know, and now that he was gone, mm-hmm. um, it was difficult to, you know, I definitely started and I, you know, I know that it was the Lord like starting to like, refocus me to think about another another path Mm -hmm. Um, but I really resisted that because I already had this plan with my dad you know yeah I mean it sounds to me like yeah you you kind of made this plan with him it was like a promise and then he wasn't there anymore so quitting would feel like failure right yeah definitely like letting him down yeah right and it would have been something to separate us instead of having still kind of like that bond together on, you know, um, something that I knew would make him proud of me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was just a difficult time. You know, I had because I had never really like quit anything. We had done hard things when we were younger. I'd run a marathon when I was 12 Mm -hmm. and, you know, just like growing up very performance focused and being Mm -hmm. uh, a people pleaser and seeking approval, being in that mindset, you know, that plan had been that with my dad. And so now that he was gone, uh, it was, I felt kind of, obviously I felt alone, even though the Lord was there, I was just, you know, all this time later, and you might not remember and we didn't talk about this before, but I'm wondering, looking back on it now, now that you have followed God's path, was it your idea or was do you think it was more your dad's idea that he would like you to have been a lawyer? I think that um, I think probably I'd say probably a bit of both, that it looked mm-hmm. alluring to me mm-hmm. and interesting mm-hmm. to me. But he definitely wanted to push us towards things that were practical because, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up, I always wanted to do something creative. I Mm -hmm. wanted to be involved with um, advertising design and creating things. And that's really where my heart was. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was uh, my parents definitely kind of closed that door. You know, Mm -hmm. like saying that you can't, that's not a profitable way to make a living, which, you know, of course, now we know it is, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's lots of ways to make a living now, you know? That's true. But yeah, just like, so that was kind of squashed. And so I moved into this other thing that was approved. Yeah, yeah. And there was a time that came, and, and I think it's because you weren't, you weren't doing what you really had a heart to do and you hadn't really fully processed this grief that you were carrying where you said that, you know, you realized you hadn't and you had to find a way to work through it. So what did you do? How did, how did you come to realize you hadn't worked through your grief? Uh, I think it kind of found me, you know, I, um, it, when I was, in my fourth semester of law school, mm-hmm. I, I had basically what I would consider a nervous breakdown and went into a deep depression for about a four month period. Mm-hmm. And I, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a very 
naturally upbeat, optimistic, grateful type person. Right. And so this was something that I had never experienced. And I didn't experience this like right after my dad's death either, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I was living up in Washington State. The rest of my family was in San Antonio still. So mm-hmm. I was in school and around, you know, around plenty of people, but felt feeling very, very isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I considered, I got to the point where I considered suicide. And, you know, that was when I, you know, I, my mom had already lost my dad. And I was like, oh, no, you can never do that to your mom. You know, like imagine the grief that she would have if you did that. You've got to figure out how to get out of this, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I started seeing a therapist when I was in law school. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a therapist. And, you know, she, she, you know, she, God used her to help save my life, basically. Yeah. And, um, you know, then talking through things with my mom um, and through that time period. And I was still in school. I withdrew from school from the semester and I was working for an appellate court and they allowed me to keep working for them um, during this time period, fully expecting that I would go back to school in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then at some point during therapy and during that healing process, my mom said, you know, on the phone, Nicole, you don't have to finish law school. You can come home. Mm. And that was, you know, key to, um, it was like, she showed me that, you know, not really having an awareness of it at the time, but Mm -hmm. definitely in reflection, it's like, she showed me that, um, I was going to be okay as is, I didn't have to do this to be mm-hmm. okay, you know? Yeah. And so she allowed, you know, she allowed me to stop for myself. And really yeah. that was integral in my life. I ended up moving back to Texas and starting a job, you know, and being closer to where they were and everything. Now, sometimes we need somebody to give us permission. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've seen that a lot. I used to uh, work with the elderly, I did a lot of hospice work, and you know people were ready to go, but they didn't feel they felt like they were going to be letting people down or something yeah. like that. And you yeah. you'd get all the family to give them permission and let them know that they were okay. And and I feel like your mom doing that for you was really beautiful. Yeah. I think your your had your dad not passed away, he would have done that for you too. And oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think I think that's that's uh, a beautiful thing that she did for you um what what better way to love you than to give you the permission to let go and and to move towards what was going to make you happy and i think you know we don't realize when we're going through depression or when we haven't processed certain traumas or emotions um, that they're all building on top of one another and so once you get in there you kind of start to lay everything out on the table with the therapist um, it really allows you to kind of figure out um, what's really important to you, what to let go of, what to hold on to. And um, I'm, I'm so happy you went through that process. And mm, me too. I, yeah, yeah, very grateful that, you know, grateful for how all of that played out, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you eventually you got married and you had children. What was it like having your own family? Well, it was amazing. I mean, first, I, I mean, I loved being a mom. You know, I, I still am a mom. You know? <laughs> but um, I never, I was never a little girl that thought about marriage and having children. Okay. And obviously, we, I, growing up, we thought we were pushed towards having a career. Right. You know, and um, so I had my daughter. I was able to, I was working for an event planning business that threw garden parties. And mm-hmm. I did um, the sales and event um I was an event director. And so I was able to bring my daughter um, to work with me when I had her. And uh, it was beautiful. You know, it's like here, I'm I'm sitting there dealing with some brides and I have a baby there. And when she needed something else, then the person who was our cake decorator could come in and 
watch her for a few minutes while I finished an appointment it was, yeah, it was, you know, it was unbelievable. You know, it was, it was a fantastic, and it was all creation. So I got to help people create for the, what they would consider the most beautiful day of their life. Mm. It was, yeah, it, it fed my soul for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I literally just wrote, I bet that fed your soul on this side of the paper really? as you said it. Yeah, that's so funny. I make little notes all the time because seriously, I could I could hear it even in your voice. And yeah. and this is something that God deposited in you, creativity, to be used later for his kingdom. And so uh, that's what I was talking about earlier. You know, sometimes, you know, we go towards what we think is best or what someone else kind of helps us uh, decide is best, you know, in our family. And yet there's there's all these talents and all these things that God's deposited in us that he wants us to use and they delight us when we use them. Yes. You know, definitely uh, do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you told me that there was this one point where someone at your work began to harass you. What what was going on? Yeah. And so I just think about, you know, how God directs our steps Um, and, um, I was, it was the business that I was working for. I had nannied for their children when I was at UT Austin Mm -hmm. and I worked, I catered for them on the weekends for their events. And then this is the business that I came back to and started um, doing sales and event direction for them then and more in a professional capacity then. And so the, it was a small family business and Mm -hmm. the um, husband started you know, he basically told me that he loved me. And this is after knowing these people for like 10 years, you know, mm. and I hear, you know, I have my, my, we got married at the business, you know I mean? He's, you know, it's just, wow. and I was totally out of left field. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I just said, you know, you need to stop nothing Mm -hmm. ever going to happen here. So Mm -hmm. don't ever bring this up again, you know? And then I chose to not say I was young married and I Mm -hmm. told, I, you know, didn't, my husband had just graduated from college. I'm, I'm older than he is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I chose not to say anything to him about it. In my own thinking, I said, we need my income. You know, mm-hmm. I can't do, I can't, he's going to lose his head if I tell him what happened here. And uh, so I just said to myself, if this ever happens again, I will um, for sure tell my husband and then just whatever happens is what happens. But for right now, I got this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> say that very laughing at myself, you know, Um and so I did that. And then, you know, a couple of years later, it happened again. And mm-hmm. when it happened, I was just trembling. And it was like, my whole world is about to fall apart right now. That's all I could think, you know. And um, I told my husband about it. Yeah. And, we, and he proceeded to call this man's wife, you know, who's, and um, when we, and I left that job immediately. Yeah. And we sold a our one of our cars we sold our house and we moved into an apartment yeah you know honestly I think there are times there are times where we feel like our whole world is going to fall apart where we're dysfunctionally putting up with or allowing something that we know isn't right but really God's trying to put our world together the right way and so you know That's one of those times, Um, you know, and it's just this weird thing that we do. We're like, well, you know, I have to keep everything like this because I can't imagine how it's it's going to resolve itself Mm -hmm. instead of going to God and saying, okay, you know, I I trust you to to be in this with me and make it right. And I think we learn that as we grow. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. What was it like, you know, downsizing, moving? What did God do? Well, we moved from, we ended up uh, moving from Austin to Houston, and mm-hmm. my husband took a different job, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, God made a way, 
basically, yeah. you know, and I started staying home with, uh, when we moved to Houston, I was, I delivered my son one month later. Um, this is when all that was going on. And um, so I started staying home with both of the kids and something, again, I never saw myself doing. It was, mm-hmm. It's not like I didn't want to do it. I never, ever visualized myself in that doing anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so when we moved here, um, my husband and I were not really on the same page spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so I lived a very legalistic life um, that where I was trying to do everything perfect to make mm. sure that he could see God. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, you know, I don't think that that's really um, God's design, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for that to be um, for that type of behavior to anyway, I don't, I don't think that that's the way. Um, mm-hmm. But again, just like I was controlling and navigating that situation Going mm-hmm. into law school, going, you know, handling how I handle the event planning business problems, you know, mm-hmm. and then here I was handling it the same way, basically. Yeah. Um, like you're yeah. trying to, I kinda, mean, the, yeah, that kind of people pleaser, it. that people pleaser foundation just kept kind of coming back in, in new ways. Yeah. And, yeah. and there is, there's this control component to being a people pleaser. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times you know, someone's a people pleaser because of trauma, they're hyper vigilant, always looking around, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do I make this work? And it's really not the way that God wants us to be. He wants us to be reliant on him and to believe that he can make anything work, that he is an Ephesians 3.20 God and that he can do more than we could ever think or imagine and that he wants to. But right. we have to start catching ourselves in this behavior, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's what I see you doing. So and, and also, you know, when, when you're dealing with someone that doesn't have the same faith as you and I had that experience, um, you know. And you want them to. But like, we can't be we can't be Jesus for them. No, no, it's the same. And I think sometimes we can mishear that from church that mm-hmm. as women, we can do just what's right to mm-hmm. woo them to Christ. But the mm-hmm. reality is. You know, I have a happy marriage now. My husband is a believer on mm-hmm. his own, you mm-hmm. know, and, yeah. you know, it's like and and now still I realize that I can't um, make I am not the completion. I know that we are one flesh, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't mean it like that, but I cannot complete my husband and make him whole, nor can he do that for me. Christ right. is the only one that can do that for us. So you know, even on, I have more freedom now. Yeah. I, I was like, I was trying to complete do if I could check every single box mm-hmm. and the weight of that type of legalism is mm-hmm. it's bondage for us. Absolutely. You know, like we cannot do that. Absolutely. I can't and the, on the flip side, you know, it's like, I the, can't, yeah. The same Holy spirit that called you forward that day that you went to that little church is the same Holy spirit that's at work in in your husband and so you know it's hard because you want something and you can't see how it's going to happen but that's where we learn to pray and trust god and um you know just kind of do our part of staying connected um you know abiding in in him on our own and it's a it's a really difficult thing i i totally understand like i said i i dealt with that and um you know, unfortunately, uh, my now ex-husband um, became bipolar about a week after I accepted Christ and started self-medicating and became a pretty horrible alcoholic. And so um, although God did have me stay with him for a while in, and tried to give him opportunities um, to accept him and to get into recovery in in the end, um, you know, we had to have him leave the home um, and. I stayed together, although separated, still married for some time because I didn't want to break a covenant once I knew how important that was. I hadn't made it um, knowing Jesus, uh, but I knew it 
Jesus now. And so, um, you know, God finally released me and showed me that there was biblical reason for divorce. But, um, you know, he never he never came to Christ and he never came into real recovery. And so, you know, it doesn't always work out well. But the only thing I was able to do was just sit at the feet of Jesus and hold on to God as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my heart goes out to you for that. I know um, I've walked through um, issues with um, alcoholism with family also. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have people that are sober um, right now that um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for, you know, yeah. that, um, but um, it is very, 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 very complicated and difficult and it affects everybody. You know, it is. It is. But God brought so many amazing things out of that. Like the strength mm-hmm. of my faith came out of that. It was forged mm-hmm. in that time. That's when I learned yeah. to choose gra- gratitude to choice. Mm-hmm. My daughter is a psychotherapist. She has her own practice. She's married to a psychotherapist. He has his own practice and they're both now getting their doctorate and they work primarily with people with trauma and addiction. You know, mm-hmm. my my son and my daughter ne- never going to touch any kind of substance. I have no reason not to to drink, but I mm-hmm. I am now the sober person in the room. So you know, God mm-hmm. brought so many good things out of it that uh, yeah. we can carry forward in Absolutely. Christ. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's good. Now you ended up during this time that you never really expected of being home with your kids. Um, you started to go to a mom's prayer group and you told me that you began writing prayers online i was wondering if you tell us like what do you think i was doing at that time was writing something that you had loved before that um yeah when i we first we started homeschooling because i was um bound by doing everything right And then God kind of got me to the end of myself about that and um, set me free (laughs) and said, you know, she needs to go to school because, Uh you know, um, and so um, she, when my daughter started going to school and Mm -hmm. she was in second grade, that was in 2004. And from Mm -hmm. 2004 to 2018, I was really blessed to um, pray with a group of moms um, through Moms in Prayer. It's mm-hmm. an international organization of moms praying globally that's non-denominational. And mm-hmm. we just pray for our children and the school that they're going to. And we pray for like the teachers and the administration of the school every week. So it's you go in for one hour of prayer and we pray scripture over these concerns. And it really taught me how to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And um, so I did that for years. And, um, you know, you can get a lot when you pray with other people like that, um, Mm -hmm. because you hear other people's faith. Yeah. um, And really, sometimes you'd be thinking, wow, that's a really trying situation. And listen to how she sounds, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's still choosing to trust God through this. So, so it really ministered to me and my faith really grew. Um, My confidence in God grew. I had developed like an intimate um, Mm -hmm. relationship with him um, instead of far off. Like, you know, I, I kind of stopped trying to check boxes with him. Yeah. And um, I found a lot of freedom in that. And during that time, over that long period of years, you know, I was doing Bible study and leading in church and stuff like that and um, felt like a calling to write. But I also um, I also felt like at the same time that God was showing me I like when I would hear like the calling to write, that I'd hear mm-hmm. this other voice in my mind that would say, who are you? Mm-hmm. And literally, and um, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, as if I was going to say something about God, it would be like some reflection on me trying to point people to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for many years, I just stuffed it down. And then I was doing one Bethmore study 
and um, I think was on in Thessalonians. And mm-hmm. I really just something that she said was like, you know, if God is calling you to do something, you know, mm-hmm. you need to step forward and do it no matter Amen. what he's telling you to do. You know, I was Amen. like, like just grabbed hold of me, like, you know, mm-hmm. God just grabbed me like, you know, I've told you, you know, step yep. into this. And so, yeah, I started writing online and then I started as 2020 approached, I started, you saw just all the grief and the angst and anxiety that the world in general was experiencing. And, you know, it was all over social media mm-hmm. and I felt like, you know, these are, you know, there's, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of believers that were still feeling things like that also, not that just being a believer protected you from feeling that way. It's like, it's really like your closeness with the Lord and knowing that he's good Mm -hmm. is what Mm -hmm. holds you fast there. But I felt called to write, start writing some prayers. And Mm -hmm. I personally don't think that there's like a way, specific way to pray, but moms in prayer does follow a specific format, you know, Mm um, um, you know, praise, um, confession, Thanksgiving, you know, and mm-hmm. um, intercession. And so you're they're following a specific format that taught me to focus on God and mm-hmm. who he is, what his character is, what his ability is, what he's already done in our life. And then by the time you're really subtle in that and you read the scripture, you've remembered, oh, yeah, I mean, God is worthy and good and capable and loving and kind. And he cares and sees about every detail of our life. Then you get to your issues and you're like, oh, of course he's going to, of course he sees us and he knows. God's got that. And so it just took all decompressed the stress and anxiety. So I felt called to like write into that space online. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and I I could sense that it really ministered to people and brought them hope in a time Mm -hmm. when they felt like all the ground was shifting underneath them and that God was still with us, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I did that. And then eventually um, I put those prayers together as a, as my book, Rise up, believing God when the world is falling apart. Awesome. You know, so many of us took the time of uh, the pandemic. And I really think I had somebody that was interviewing me one time say, well, what was your setback during the pandemic? And I said, there wasn't a setback. I think there was a springboard. Yes. And they went, oh. And I said, most of the people I talked to, like God used that time, even though there were horrible things happening, he used it to reset families. He used it to reset, you know, uh, people uh, walking in their calling to ignite a fire in people, you know, to share hope and his his love uh, with others who were having trouble and struggling. And so I think for many of us, that was a reset button and it was a springboard. And, and, and I'm you know, hearing that in your story too. And I think it was a time where God was saying, hey, will my people get up and carry me to the people who need it? Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you can't, can't deny the need that we all saw around us. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people ask me why I call the podcast a cup of gratitude. I'm like, because what did we need more during that time that I started it? And as I told you in my story earlier that I shared, I learned to choose gratitude in one of the most difficult times of my life. It's a choice. There is always something good around you, you know, because God is in every moment, everywhere. And even in our fallen state, there is so much goodness. And so when you start choosing to look for it, you become expectant for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It changes your perspective for sure. Absolutely. Now, we talked about a time when you were reading through the Bible and God stopped you in the book of Job. You said you were in that scripture for a year and a half. That's a long time. What What was God teaching you during that time? Yeah, it is a long time. And um, I have the habit of reading through the Bible. So right now I'm on my um, eighth, uh, actually I'm on my ninth pass through the Bible mm-hmm. right now. And, mm-hmm. um, so I was in the book of Job and God stopped me on 
you know, just as I was reading through and he does that often uh, where you're like, oh, he's going to show me something new or teach me something different from a different angle. And um, it's always rich, you know, mm -hmm. to learn something new. And so I was excited about it. Um, yeah. And my first thought was just that he was going to teach me something. And then second, I had a there was like a web of scripture that started connecting for me of mm -hmm. how different scriptures were connected in the truth of God's word through the whole book of Job. And God taught me about um, what it means that we're all made in the image of God's love. And he taught me how, how to forgive. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had no idea. I was just taking notes and putting things together <clears throat> as he was leading and, um, I think it ended up being a Bible study, <laughs> you know, like, uh -huh. I don't know if this is just for me <clears throat> or if this will be something that gets published. But um, now, you know, at, at this point, I'm utilizing it, working um, in a different way. Mm -hmm. So how are you utilizing it now? Well, I, um, I am bringing things through, like through the whole process, mm -hmm. my God taught me um, how to forgive. Like I, you know, we all have different issues in our life with people and sure. I, I did not have, you know, like a issues of abuse, maybe um, emotional neglect, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and um, I struggled with issues with my mom and mm -hmm. uh, my mom um, came and lived with us for the last five years of her life. Mm -hmm. And then she was healthy, you know, uh, she had smoked for over 60 years, so she wasn't really healthy, healthy, but she was healthy, you know, she mm -hmm. stopped smoking and then the, the, she ended up getting stage four pancreatic cancer and she died within, within less than four months from her diagnosis to her oh, wow. passing. And so during that time period, the last year and a half of her life was when mm -hmm. I wrote the Bible study on Job. Mm -hmm. And um, it transformed when God really got a hold of my heart um, about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I could actually see her through God's eyes. And I know this yeah. is, it, you know, it's not nice to say this, but it was like for the first time I could see that God loved her in the mm -hmm. same way that he loved me. It seems like the most basic thing, but it mm -hmm. was life transforming for me as yeah. I could see that like, um, she was made in the image of God, just mm -hmm. like I was made in the image of God. So when yeah. I'm looking at her, I could see God's image looking back at me yeah. and anything that I was holding against her because I was master of withholding love. Um, anything I was holding against her for things she had done wrong in the past was just immediately gone because I would never dream to be holding anything like that against God, you know, yeah. and um, everything was just neutralized between us and instantly healed. And I didn't really believe that it was um, real, I guess, because mm -hmm. I had cried on my own to forgive her many, many times, because of course, as a Christian, we're called to forgive, period, mm -hmm. you know? And so I had tried, it wasn't that I hadn't given it a good go, um, yeah. but I felt like this was different. And um, yeah. my, hus my husband came home one night um, after, this was like a couple weeks after this had happened. And he said, what is going on around here lately? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, um, it just feels like there's a weight lifted in the mm -hmm. house. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, it feels like, like it, our house feels peaceful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so then I proceeded to tell him what had happened with me and my mom. And he said, oh no, that couldn't be it. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That yeah. is it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what I'm hearing is you said, God it healed the relationship and neutralized what was happening. And what I'm hearing is you try to love her with your love, which we try so hard to forgive, right? But what we need yeah. is God's love, which is a compassionate, sacrificial, unconditional love, that 1 Corinthians 13 love, you know, and 
we can't do that on our own. That comes from the fruit of the spirit. It has to be, you know, his leading and his helping. Um, and it will heal and neutralize everything. And we do hold on to these um, emotions and we stuff them down and we have this bit of that person is maybe, you know, I'm not going to say their enemy, but you know, like there, there are negative feelings. And so we can't learn to love those difficult to love people, you know, on our own. We can't do it without God. So it's, it's a real arrow pointing to the fact that God came in and, and flowed through you and was able to reconcile that. And how beautiful that that happened prior to her passing. Also, yeah. I'm so sorry for your loss. So what amazing timing. Yes. I mean, like, I know, you know, I say that very um, gently because I know that for many people, that's not their story. Many people yeah. have strained relationships with the parents for whatever reason and mm-hmm. have, um, you know, hold on to things and then, you know, time gets away from us and it's too late, you know, and, um, you know, and that's just, you know, my heart is grieved over that because it's a grief for someone to walk through that, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grateful. And I, I, I do feel, um, like God taught me so much through Job because of that. And just those lessons of seeing, you know, like when I see people in the world now, I mm-hmm. see God. I see we are all made in his image, not That's not just right. good people. You know, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. like, it's like, really, you know, it's like he didn't say that in the word that I, I made all people in my image, you know, the good ones. It's like, yeah, we're, we're all made in God's image. And so I can That's see right. that. And like, I want to love people because of that, because it's it's me allowing God's love to flow back you know, the mm-hmm. whole time. So I'm, yeah. I'm using those things right now to work on creating a course. I'm doing mm-hmm. that this fall that I hope to launch in January. Um, it's going to be forgiveness school, finding mm-hmm. freedom, finding freedom from the things that hold us back. Mm-hmm. And so I'm using that job study um, there. Um, and I really feel awesome. them to teach that um, and just hope yeah, that that can really minister um, God's power to people mm-hmm. in a tangible yeah. way that they can pick it up for themselves and whatever they're struggling with in their own life, because, you know, there's lots of things that we can struggle with. And even if it's forgiving yourself, you know, if, you, know, if yeah. you don't feel like you've had issues with um, str- trouble with other people, sometimes we hold on to things that we mm-hmm. feel like we've done to ourselves, And we're really quenching the love of God when we're doing that also, you know, we're not yeah. really allowing uh, God to love us or even like, live in the fullness of his love when we're, when we're shaming ourselves, you know, that's not the Lord. That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. I, I think the distinction is, you know, God loves all of us, but there's a difference between behavior and the person. He doesn't love all of our behaviors, but he loves the person. And so, you know, um, even with ourselves, like, you know, he loves us regardless of our behaviors. And he, you know, Jesus went to the cross and died for us while we were still sinners. Right. So, um, yeah, so I think it's really important. And I think that that sounds amazing. And I am going to be putting in the show notes all the ways to, to um, follow along. And um, I, I would suggest following social media for Nicole, as well as, um, you know, looking at her website. And then when this is available, um, you would then be privy to it. Um, I have one last question. I could probably talk to you for a couple of hours. And <laughs> I, I am so happy. I mean, I've taken a couple little stealthy sips of water but I, w- I wasn't hacking through the whole thing as i said i've been sick so thank you god for that yeah. um, but, but i do have one last question for you and i always end with this um question it's just my favorite and i love the way that people answer it if you could go back and give your younger self any advice what would that be um i would tell my younger self that god is always going to be with you So pursue what's in your heart, not only what's in your mind, because he's directing and leading you for good things. Mm, That's very wise. That's wonderful advice. 
Well, what a beautiful way to end. I, I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story. And I'm so thankful to be able to share this with listeners. And I am grateful to, like I said, to have gotten to know you. Um, I feel like very kindred. And I'm sure that we will have other opportunities to collaborate in the future. And I'm going to just love watching what you're doing as I follow you on social media. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for um, having me here today. And likewise, I'm I'm glad that we got connected. And um, I enjoy doing more collaborations with you in the future, too. Okay, well, I hope you have an awesome day. Okay, you too. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, so I just want to thank you so much for spending your time with me. And I want to challenge you to go out today and to take notice and to stop and really look around and find at least one good thing, one thing to be thankful for. You know, if you do that today, you're going to find so many more things tomorrow without even trying. Because once you start, you begin to see what's always been there. And if you need a refill, you can come join me again for another cup. Make sure to subscribe and have an awesome day and go be grateful. Thank you.